It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 48 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Friday, June 1st. 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Ashley and Patrick from the Black Truck team. Hello, gang. Hello. Hey, guys. (laughs) Such an enthusiastic hello, Patrick. (laughs) You guys always give me that. Uh, Welcome to the first of another month. Another month has gone by. Your strategies and tactics have all been deployed, and Mm -hmm. hopefully now you're looking back over all your successes or maybe failures. I don't know. So here we go. June, (laughs) we're going to be in the thick of summer here. And uh, I think there's a lot of industries that move up and down in the summer. We talk about cyclicality of, uh, I always get interested in the summertime or different seasons and things like that. Some of the industries we deal with, we certainly see some cyclical changes and shifts uh, as it pertains to to search traffic. So. Yeah, Michigan's West Coast suddenly competes with California mm-hmm. <laughs> in the summertime. It's a lot, a lot happening, a lot going on, a lot of events, a lot of the weather. It, everybody's like dependent on the weather, camping, where to go, recreation. The state of Michigan is big recreation. Beer Gardens, state. B-I-E-R. That's right. Even though most of us will spell it as B-E-E-R. Right. So, yes. All right. Ashley, you had said that you would take lead off on yes. this week's Redirect podcast. Yes. Well, it is that time of year again. We covered Mary Meeker's Internet Trends of 2016 um, last year on the podcast, and she has just released the trends for 2017. Um, she spoke about it at the Code Conference in Rancho Palos Verdes, California, <laughs> speaking of California. And uh, this is a really great um, batch of information that she shares based on just how things are growing or not growing, how things are being adopted or not being adopted, and um, even um, she covered a lot this year comparing U.S. and China, which is really interesting. And so I was just trying to kind of pick out some of the pieces that I felt affected me the most in my own um, interest as a consumer, but then as a digital marketer as well. So even though uh, I guess one of the bigger highlights was that shipments of smartphones have dropped again, um, like almost flat flatlined compared to last year Hmm. um did she get she didn't really give any did you read you didn't read did you read the full study yet or not because i have not read the full i know i haven't gone and gotten the slides i flipped through the slides okay yeah um so that's that was one that stuck out to me was yeah smartphone shipments have dropped and uh, just so uh, adoption is you, we can infer adoption is, is decreasing um, or people are buying less, I guess, is another like <clears throat> another inference. Well, they're not replacing their smartphones. Yeah, yeah. I think that's more it. I mean, mm-hmm. smartphone, if we go, let's just even say iPhone 2007, 
here we are 10, 11 years later. I know very, 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 I know one person that doesn't have a smartphone. So we've talked about it before on previous episodes. Uh, Pat's brought it up before too of like, is it is it really declining or have we met this saturation point where right. more or less everybody has a smartphone? Right. I think we've definitely reached a saturation point. I think <clears throat> I saw something recently that says that um, the, the balance between uh, mobile and desktop is starting to... Uh, stabilize and it's not hmm. it's not so much one is going this way and one is going that way it's just they're staying right there even Interesting. Um, I started to read that an article about Mary Meeker's presentation and I saw I think I got distracted <laughs> and by a tab it's a lot of info <laughs> it's a lot of <laughs> yeah. a single tab yeah and uh, <clears throat> I saw on there that not only have um, shipments decreased but even though that Samsung and iPhone have thousand dollar smartphones now Mm. the cost per unit has decreased quite a bit still. Interesting. I, I'm thinking some of that is to the point where it's so cheap to produce certain smartphones now that they're being given away a lot of times as mm. bonuses or um, promotions, as well as there's enough Android devices out there um, that people can share or like pass down or second-generation mm. user kind of things in recycling programs and reusing programs sure. because they're so prevalent now. Yep. And the old ones are modernized enough now, the old functionalities are modern enough to where they can still be used with today's features. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely know a lot of friends who um, have taken the, the cheaper route than I have. And, you know, they don't have an iPhone or an Android. They have some off-brand, off too. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Uh, so, despite, uh, maybe not despite the shipments being down, but um, time spent on mobile devices continues to increase. Um, time spent on uh, digital devices, period, continue to increase. Um, so in 2016, um, people spent an average of 5.6 hours with digital media. Um, this is for adult users. And this year it's 5.9 hours per day. Per day. Per day. 5.6 to 5.9. Mm-hmm. Which is a 4% growth. And so that is... Um, 0.6% on other other connected devices. Um, 2.1% are, are, I'm sorry, this is time, not percentages. 0.6 hours on other connected devices, 2.1 hours on desktop or laptop, and then 3.3 hours on mobile. Yeah, so 3.3 mm-hmm. hours of that time was on your mobile device. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a stat out there too. This goes back to 2016 data. Uh, like by the end of 2017, you were to consume 75% of the content. So 75% of the content you consume is on a mobile device. So hmm. not a tablet, not a desktop. 75% of the, of, of content is, is consumed on a mobile device. Hmm. So that's the big thing that stood out to me was there was a lot of hmm. mobile references in yep. here. Yep. <clears throat> and let's see, I have a couple other things that stuck out here. Um, Transactions. Sixty percent of reported everyday transactions um, over the past ten days for the people that were surveyed. Sixty um, percent were of transactions were done digitally versus forty percent being like in a brick and mortar. Hmm, hmm. Um, and interestingly, you know, we always wonder how many people actually like buy things through their smart devices, um, their assistants, and um, Google Home. 
of transactions were done using a smart home device. Interesting. So, is there no comparison data at this point? There is, and let's see. Did I know what slide it was? I did. I'll I'll dig into that. Um, but then related to that, um, twenty seventeen is the year that Google did reach that ninety five percent threshold for human accuracy for for yeah. for voice. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing. That yeah, I think Google still continues to, from my opinion, they continue to lead the lead the charge when it comes to voice recognition. I don't think that. Uh, I think there's still a lot of mistakes in, in some of the other platforms. That three percent too is still I'm gonna go back to and ask, I wonder what kind of what kind of purchases those are made. I still believe that that's probably a lot of reorders. Um, you know, do we know is it movie subscriptions? Like, hey, okay, Google, um, rent this uh, from Google Play. Uh, Siri and connected with iTunes, mm. things of that nature, or, or even Amazon Prime, you know, asking it to find this movie and then being able to rent it. That's just one example of, of I think, many you could come up in that scenario. Most people that I've pulled independently have said that they want to see things. Um, they want to see the photos. They want to see the reviews, read the reviews. Much I think seeing photos and reading reviews is much uh accustomed to the touch and feel of an in-person interaction anymore. So. Yeah. My television <clears throat> triggered my Alexa device of the night. Really? I was watching something, I don't remember what it was, and my Alexa device is in my thermostat, and it's on the other side of the main great room in my house, and Alexa said, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird. I'm thinking about deactivating it. I tell you the truth. Anyways, <laughs> well, I think if we find, we'll find the stat. We'll get deeper on the stat. We'll make sure we link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's got three hundred slides, two hundred ninety-four slides. Mm-hmm. Good night. <laughs> yeah, that's but full-time job putting that together. But the fact that that's growing, I I would be anxious to see where it goes next yeah. year. Right? Yeah. So the question was whether it, it, there was comparative data to the year before, and I there I don't see that. Yeah, the um, adoption rate it, it's. It grew so much in 2016, 2017 of just having the devices in your home. So there probably really isn't any data, historical data, to, to tell how mm-hmm. that's happening yet because it's a new trend. Yeah. Well, and she covers a lot more than just like things that we focus on maybe from a marketing perspective. Right. Uh, I know I tuned in on things more from a, a technology adoption rate. Uh, she had mentioned something about... Uh, just the adoption of the internet in general in the past decade, mm. like basically full adoption and people being very accepting of that um, to, was it the the dishwasher taking like 80, was it 80 some years, 80 years for, okay. The speed of technological disruption is accelerating and took about 80 years for Americans to adopt the dishwasher. The consumer internet became commonplace in less than a decade, which also leads us down the privacy um, oh, yeah. segment, you know, we're all very, very in tune with checking the box, moving on because I need to get my stuff. Right. Yep. So, um, that's going to cause more friction for a lot of companies. Yeah. You hear stats like that sometimes and it <clears throat> blows your mind. You think, I think I saw one time that, um, we invented the car in what, 1893, something along those lines, the combustion engine. And then 65, 70 years later, we were on the moon. <laughs> so if you think about the history of time. It's crazy how quickly we went from motor to landing on the moon. And now you 
carry a computer in your pocket on yeah. your phone that possesses more power than the spaceship did yeah, at the time. So. All, all the data in the world is in my pocket. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Um, so big takeaways there are, I mean, certainly it's, it's a mobile world that we live mm-hmm. in and, um, and that's going to continue to grow. We know the importance of what that can mean for search marketers for, as it relates to uh, kind of our line of work. Um, are there any things that, things that really stood out in her, in her slides that like concerned you at all? Cause you said you, you, you very much uh, looked at it with like your personal hat on versus maybe like a, a business hat on. So like, uh, in terms of personal interests and things, I'm always curious, like, are there things as it comes with technology growth and changes are the things that concern you and, and yeah, I'm <clears throat> maybe not so much. Maybe this, is a little unsettling for me. I guess I'll unpack it as I'm saying it. But um, she referenced a study that found that 79% of U.S. consumers are willing to share personal data for clear personal benefit, um, which I guess that's not surprising. I, it was higher than I expected it to be. Um, I wonder what the other question is that was asked in that study. Was it? Yeah. Was it, are you... Would you check the box if you were provided with a clear, defined understanding of what your data was being used for and the outcome, or something a bit more vague? Yeah. Of course, I don't have. Not saying that market researchers don't. I mean, that's not my job, but um, I think there's a lot of questions that sometimes can be fairly misleading, too. So. Hmm. Yeah. Of course, I didn't write down the slide number. There's uh, 294 to start. So. No, that's okay. It's okay. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of continued disruption that we're going to see, um, you know, keeping tabs on. The, I think the two main players that she highlights are, you know, Google and Amazon. Uh, interesting that social wasn't a huge part of her presentation from what I found. A little bit, but yeah. not, not nearly as much as uh, big tech companies, big tech meaning Google, Amazon is kind of the leaders in that space, a lot of that from the AI perspective. So um, I'm really anxious to see the 2018 trends. So she, this is, this is uh, Mary Meeker's 2018 Internet Trends Report. It, mind you, it looks back at 2017. So the one right. we talked about before looked back at 2016. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see 2018 data to see uh, interaction in – uh, a social world because I think it's going to decrease even more. Yeah. So those mobile purchases too. I'm curious if that's uh, browser purchases or in-app purchases. Yeah, totally. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, actually, so in-app payments, uh, 4%. Um, other mobile payments, 8%. What is a payment? Is that a purchase I, I think or is that a- like a, me sending you money from a payment device, a payment app? Um, transactions. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're not here to, I'm not poking too many holes in her work, but, um, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. We don't know. But regardless, 60% of transactions were digital, which is pretty. Yeah. That's pretty legit. Legit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to completely switch gears (laughs) here. Um, I always look forward to reading what Mary Meeker comes out with and, and try and share it as much as I can. Um, recently, we have run into a couple different situations that have required our teams to 
I advise clients or, or agency teams and things like that on whether or not uh, a site, a single site, should be split up um, into multiple sites, or should they just stick with the single site? And as as luck has it, there happened to be a question that had come out recently. So actually, Ashley and I were just discussing this earlier today. Um, and then this information coming out from how Google views that change as well. So our, I, I would say that our stance very much is um, <clears throat> that sometimes it comes down to a brand decision where we'll, we'll definitely have input from a search and user perspective. I know I'm going to have an opinion on it from, say, a business owner's perspective and what I would or wouldn't do. But ultimately, if it's a brand decision and a move they're going to make, we'll you know, mm-hmm. we're going to set the expectations out, what the risk factors are, and then develop the, the search strategy to move forward with it. But um, a question came up in comments on uh, in social on Twitter with Google's John Mueller around the risks of breaking up a site into mm-hmm. two different ones. So uh, handling it via redirects, etc. So um, maybe the site had two different, who knows, does the site have two different audiences, that type of thing. And so what John goes on to point out is that the issues that come with this, that Google sees it, is that you now have two sites that must rank on their own instead of the one site. So the question comes back to, are the two sites going to be as visible in search as the original single site was? And Jennifer Slag from the SEMPOST followed that conversation really closely. Um, and we'll link to her comments because she went on to document the reminders from John that, that basically state, you know, whenever a site redirects to another page or another site, there's a delay where Google is going through a recrawl process. It's trying to match up old old pages and new pages through hopefully proper redirects and things of that nature. So there's there's a bit of time, there's going to be a bit of lag that happens because you're introducing a new domain, let's say. Mm. So Google has to go through and now reassociate everything that it knew about brand A with brand A and B. Um, and I, I think that this is a really great point and people need to understand that it, it you know, you totally can take longer for Google to go through, reprocess what has existed in the past. I, in our discussion earlier, Ashley, it goes back to that root question of why are we separating them out in the first place? Mm -hmm. Is it um, because they are two completely different audiences? Um, You know, are we talking about, uh, man, are we talking about renting an apartment versus buying a home? I don't want to say that that those are those are um, those audiences can be associated. I get it. Maybe you are in a transitionary period. You mm-hmm. sold a home. You need a place to live. I get that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, typically, um, someone who's looking for an apartment isn't. Um, they're either maybe they're not at that point in their life where they're ready to commit to buying a home, or they don't want the they don't want everything that comes along with buying a home. They just want to be an apartment dweller. I think that's okay. Two completely different audiences. So depending on the type of audience and clientele you cater to in the real estate market, you know, if you're selling high-end condos downtown in a high-rise or or a development in the burbs uh, or, you know, executive homes versus um, multi-unit apartment type living – 
completely different audiences. Mm -hmm. I think that that would be okay if the brand said, hey, we want to separate these out. And, and as digital marketers, as SEOs, we, our job is to help them understand maybe the reasons why, and, but also understand the risk and reward that could come with that mm-hmm. um, to be able to say, it's okay to split these up. You know, do you want to manage two sites? Um, but if that apartment one takes on, say, using that as an analogy or an example, there's probably a lot more that comes along with um, with that, there's property management and maintenance and people wanting to be able to, maybe they want to be able to pay their rent and things like that online. So you start to go down this path of, it's not just for the searcher and being able to find uh, the information that they want, but also for existing clientele Mm -hmm. that want support for whatever it is that your brand is doing. I'm not going and saying that if you're a Ford Motor Company to, you know, go down the road of running two completely separate, you know, Ford trucks versus Ford cars type domains, but um, just thinking about it in unique situations, why you might want to break those out. Yeah. Uh, and good ways to go about it. I, I think, Ashley, you were headed down that that route already in the case we were talking about in particular was going and looking at the popularity of those pages of those different page grouping types, um, to understand how active are those users on the site. Now, how much value is that portion really bringing to, to the site and, and maybe more, uh, using that as your benchmark data to say, boy, we're going to take, um, uh, 20% of the traffic. So 20% of, of the traffic goes to this type of content and we're going to peel that off and, and start a whole other, you know, you have to be prepared to have those conversations and to document that, uh, that potentially that site that, you know, existing legacy sites going to drop by say 15%. And hopefully we pick that slack up mm-hmm. over on the new site eventually, you know, with redirects and things like that. But we know we lose a little bit of that value. Yeah. Uh, to move forward in that way. So. Yeah. It's an immediate loss of value, but long term. Long term. It'll be a gain. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Immediate loss of value, meaning it's going to take a while for things to re-index. But hey, can we revisit things? Can we look at it nine months down the road, ten months down the road? It might even take a year. Yeah. To look back at it and go, that and was also, a smart move. It also might be timely to to do it in your slow season or a season when you're not dependent upon your web traffic mm-hmm. to help you thrive through a certain season or time of year. Yeah. I'm just thinking about um, how when you look at not just your own audience, but the types of competitors when you're considering breaking off, breaking apart your site because um, you have these two or three different divisions and then think about the competitors that you're up against too Great point. In, in those fields and how how it could or could not help you to to break off and, and compete better in those areas too. Yeah. That's good. That's what I got. <laughs> so I'm looking at you, Pat. I'm gonna jump into a different subject altogether again. So we're gonna do another another spin here. So um, back in January of twenty thirteen. Going back, Google gave us a different feature, a new feature, and then on Valentine's Day this year, they took that feature away kind of quietly, and so it's been 90 days since that has gone away, roughly, 
And um, certain segments have seen a 37% increase in image clicks. Hmm. So in January 2013, um, there in the Google Image tab, inside the image, you click, you click the image and you get that black bar mm-hmm. with the details in it. There was a button and they added a button that said view image. Yeah. And it took you to just that image. That button is gone. Yes, I've noticed that at least. It went away on Valentine's Day. Huh. Um, And that was a result of Getty, Getty Images, filing a complaint with the European Commission, an anti-competition complaint. So Europe and the UK has uh, a lot of different types of laws that we are very familiar (laughs) with in the last month here um, that are protection for consumers and businesses uh, in the digital world. Um, So um, Getty was complaining that Google was using image search or image viewing in a way that directly hindered Getty's business model. Okay. And Mm. it's, it's copyright infringement based type stuff. Um, And so um, a survey was done an independent survey is done by uh, the author of this article on uh, search engine land, Anthony Muller. Uh, just he just published it a couple of days ago, but he interviewed 58 different companies that had at least 100,000 images in their catalog. Wow. So um, the segments of the, these 58 businesses they could be summarized as either um, entertainment, photography, or news as those search areas. So, okay. so very heavy. heavy image use. Yep. And um, the only metric he asked for was clicks from Google Images. Mm. So no, no other metric, just clicks from Google Images, which is honestly a metric I had never looked at and didn't even know you could find that. And <laughs> I've since learned how to do it, which I'll share in a minute. Um, but on average... Um, it worked out to about a 37% increase in these clicks. Hmm. Um, back in 2013, when it was rolled out, however, there was massive drops in these, very big decreases mm. in these clicks because it's the same question that we've always had here is the answer box. What is the answer box doing to click-through rates? It's mm-hmm. potentially drastically decreasing it. And this can almost be seen the same way. And I think it's maybe um, a, a precursor or a um, an old beta version of what might be considered an answer box by just clicking through and not actually, it doesn't, you can view the image without landing on the page. I know I personally uh, use that a lot mm-hmm. because how many times have you found an image in an image search tab, gone to visit that yep. page and you can't find the image anywhere. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. if you just click on the view image, yeah. you get the image right there. Um, so the way I found this, at least in the, um, the legacy search console, uh, I haven't dug into it on the new search console yet that I went into our, our black truck search mm-hmm, console mm-hmm. to figure this out. So search console, search analytics, search type, filter for images, and then you'll have a, a, a result for Google and you click Google, it'll show you what was in there just from that metric of an image. So that will show you if your images are driving Google clicks, um, in the last 28 days, we had 66 impressions of one click. Hey, we are not an image. No, we're not an image business. And it was from a blog post. Uh, so it's, that doesn't alarm me, but for 
um, industries that do rely on images or images are a driver of yeah. uh, what you do or if you're a news photography or entertainment type business um, or PR or something that is image mm-hmm. heavy mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting um, so the big story is the, the way this res- this story was written was that um, image SEO quote unquote is back from the dead mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's um, Time to start really pushing that. I know that that image SEO is something that I've spoken about quite a bit online and offline here, and and it's something that even further, it's not just about your file size, but uh, it's about making sure that you have the right tags and captions mm-hmm. and all those different little bells and whistles. And it's right now, it's going to be a good time for you to to review that because the the game for images apparently has changed to the tune of a potential 37% click increase. <laughs> well, I think it's still pretty volatile and, and even more so, it, you know, I would be curious to see if that date line lines up with, so there's a problem right now with featured snippets in Google in that you can have a featured snippet that's pulling in an image and it's not your image. Meaning, oh, combined. yeah. Meaning, it's a it's a feature. You have the you own the featured snippet. It's your link to the content that's being pulled in, but the image is another source. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of had a really good conversation with some other industry folks uh, through social channels on this. That that you know, and it seems to be the consensus is is that there's opportunity there. Some people say you know there's a couple naysayers that are like it's a waste of time. Um, but similar to getting a featured snippet, you have to be ranked on the first page for the image search. So, so similar principles apply for having a featured snippet that is getting that image pulled up in there too. So, right. so you may not be able to win the featured snippet, but what if you can get the featured image in the featured snippet? Yeah, and then where is it? You said um, the first page for a featured image. What is the first page of an image search? Right, right. Because it's, it's scrolling. Mm-hmm. And I, I you also have to yeah. more will yeah. load, but it's not yeah. like 10, 10 yeah. SERPs. Yeah, there's certainly a couple you other know. factors. There's yeah. certainly a couple other factors that go that go into that. And if I can if I can provide some additional insights, I, I will. But I think it plays in with with what you were talking about here, um, Pat. On on just the whole, how does it how does it change the game in terms of a click through rate? Um, I think it's confusing from um, a user perspective, you know, because that image is not associated with the brand. Agree. I agree. It tripped me up about a month ago. As soon as you started talking about that, I remembered that that happened to me one time. I, I was I saw the trusted source. I, I had mm-hmm. an answer box come up, and I saw the trusted source URL. So I just clicked on the image to take me to the page, and it took me to something completely different. I'm like, whoa, this isn't what I just clicked on with. This doesn't line up, and yeah. it, it, it did. I mean, I'm a marketer, and I, I <laughs> it's, it bothered me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. It'd be interesting to do some testing, though. Yeah, too. for sure. Cool, yeah. awesome, man. All over the place. <laughs> so we'll make sure we link to Mary Meeker's um, great presentation. Actually, her I think that video clip is really fantastic too. It's like everything crammed into what seven minutes or eight minutes or something like that. Um, you get the you get the good bits and pieces of it there from recode um think 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 and ask a lot of the hard questions and be prepared to answer the hard questions when looking to 
you know, break a site off into two different separate entities, if you will. And then uh, can you dominate image search in 2018 and beyond? I think, Pat, you're, I think you're headed down the right path to say you can. And, and so, certainly in certain, image, uh, in certain industries, mm-hmm. images play uh, a stronger role. So it'll be interesting to see. So check out the show notes, listen to previous episodes. And until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.